Takeaways from the Twins' opening weekend of spring training. Kenta Maeda returns. Trevor McGill has a rough outing the same time the Twins add a couple of relievers. So much coming up on today's episode of Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Monday, February 27th, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thanks for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every single day on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Again, this is Nash Walker, host of Daily Show for three seasons, four off-seasons now. I've been writing about the Twins at TwinsDaily.com for four seasons and four off-seasons. This is one of my two final episodes this week. Brandon Warren is going to take over on Wednesday as your daily host. I'm here today to break down the opening weekend for the Twins. So much to take away from this opening weekend. Kenta Maeda returns. Jorge Alcala returns. Twins add a couple of relievers. Dennis Santana, notably, to the 40-man roster. Trevor McGill has a blow-up right around the same time. And Pablo Lopez made his debut. So there was a lot going on this weekend, and there's so much to break down. I think let's start with that Trevor McGill blow-up. Coming into spring training, the Twins really don't have many roster battles at all. Like, across the roster, things are pretty set. And they made that clear this offseason. They wanted to add a bunch of depth. There's not a lot of competition especially for position player spots, really the only place that you can look on this roster and say, okay, there's a legitimate battle is for that final bullpen spot. But Trevor McGill, it felt like has a, at least loose hold on it, but people forget Trevor McGill was not good down the stretch for the twins last year and hasn't been good in his career blows up in his first spring training outing. Just couldn't couldn't throw strikes, gave up a big time Homer getting hit hard. Couldn't locate really just didn't have it at all. And at the same time, the Twins pick up Dennis Santana off of waivers and add him to the 40-man roster, which I think is a significant move. Really interesting. When I saw this come across the wire, I was excited because last trade deadline, I wrote a piece at TwinsDaily.com. Here are three controllable relievers I think the Twins should target in trade. And the first name was Dennis Santana, who had three years of team control, I think, at that time, or even more. Not a free agent until 2026. So he's got four years of team control, or three, rather. I was excited when the Twins added him off of waivers because he was very, very good for the Rangers through July 4th last year. So through the 4th of July, Dennis Santana was a big right-handed reliever, long, great stuff. Through the 4th of July in 2022, his numbers were terrific. He had a 1.44 ERA. And his fielding independent pitching was 232, so he backed it up. Opponents hit 155 with a 420 OPS against Dennis Santana through his first 33 outings. It looked like he finally put it all together. Kind of been a journeyman reliever, but he's only 26 years old, and the stuff is terrific. So I was thinking last trade deadline, hey, the Rangers are out of it. Twins should go trade for Dennis Santana. In the second half, from (laughs) July 5th forward... Dennis Santana lost his job. I mean, he was a quality setup man, like one of the best setup men in the American League through the 4th of July. From July 5th to the end of the season, which is October 5th, in his last 30 outings, 27 and a third, 9.55 ERA with a FIP at 4.54. So a ton of bad luck mixed into that. Some bad regression as well. 
Babbitt was 397 batting up uh, batting average on balls in play. Opponents hit 303 with an 839 OPS. What was the difference? Well, 22 walks. 22 walks down the stretch in his final 30 outings. That's been a problem for Santana. It's never been a stuff issue. It is the command. But he put it all together through the 4th of July, enough so that I was saying, hey, the Twins should part with some prospects to get Dennis Santana. I was excited that they just got him off of waivers and added him to the 40-man roster because clearly he still has it in him. And that's the difference between Trevor McGill and Dennis Santana is Dennis Santana has shown it a lot more at the major league level. Not... He doesn't have great numbers. Like Dennis Santana has a career 512 ERA, but his career FIP is 415. Last year it was 335, and he has better numbers than Trevor McGill. So you would have to think at 26 years old, Dennis Santana is going to push Trevor McGill for that last bullpen spot. And I think absolutely that's the case with him added to the 40-man roster, and he's out of options. So the Twins can wave him again. It's not not like he's going to make the team for sure on opening day. But I think he's absolutely going to contend for that last bullpen spot. And he's somebody who makes a ton of sense for it. Like, we've seen Trevor McGill. I think the stuff is great. It's on a similar level to Dennis Santana. But the results just haven't been there really at all in the majors. And he was somebody, Trevor McGill, I put on my three twins I dislike for 2022. (laughs) Maybe an easy pick, like low-hanging fruit. But I just, the results aren't there. And with Dennis Santana... No, the results haven't quite been there either, but you can point to one thing. You can say it's his walk rate. You know, he walks too many guys. When he doesn't walk guys, he's really dominant. He's very good. Trevor McGill, even when his walk rate's in check, he's not getting guys out. And you're wondering, what's the problem? Why is this dude who throws 97, 98, 99, 100, why is he getting walloped? And sometimes that's just the case. Like your fastball can be 100 miles an hour and still get hit really hard for Dennis Santana. He's got electric stuff, and I tweeted out a video on Twitter. You can go check that out, at NashWalker9, of some of his electric stuff, like big-time slider, high-spin slider, throws 97 to 100, good changeup. Just He's nasty. His walk rate in his career is almost 5 per 9, and that's that's why he's available on waivers to the Twins. But I think low-risk, potentially high-reward pickup for the Twins on Dennis Santana. I really like that ad, and, and interesting timing right when Trevor McGill explodes in his first spring training outing. More, Pablo Lopez, Kenta Maeda, Jorge Alcala, so much coming up. Who's leading off for the Twins? It's all coming up after this word from Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better is that they are healthy, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a 4-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. Built Bars are the best-tasting protein bar ever. Kenta Maeda returns to the mound. Didn't get to watch. This game was not on TV, but by all accounts, everything you would like to see out of Kenta Maeda's first outing on StatCast. He was sitting 89-90. Thought that was a good sign. Stuff seemed 
sharp, at least on what we heard. <laughs> I didn't get to see. But everything you would want at this point from Kenta Maeda and his first spring starter was one inning in spring training. But I don't think you could be more encouraged. I, I said spring training preview throughout spring training. If Kenta Maeda is 89-90-91 in his first couple spring training starts, that's awesome. Coming off of Tommy John surgery, he's been out for 18 months, you know, over 500 days between pitching and MLB games. And to see him come back and just see his name back in the box score and see his name on the MLB app, I thought was amazing. And seeing his StatCast numbers, I was impressed. I was impressed to see where he's sitting. He's never going to throw 95. He's never going to throw 97. But Kenta Maeda at 89-90 in his first spring start, I think is a really good sign for the Twins and that he feels good. That's also a really, really good sign. So nice to see Kenta return. Jorge Alcala returned. He got hit around, didn't go well. His velocity was there. He reached 96 in his first spring spring training outing, which, again, that's a good sign for Alcala to be at 96. You know, if these guys are a mile, two miles an hour less than, than what you would hope they'd be in their first spring training start, that's awesome. And for Kenta, 89-90, he's right there. Alcala, 95-96, he's right there. Alcala, I think it's a valid point. It's more about potential than anything with him at the major league level. Like He's had a couple of good stretches. He had a great stretch at the end of 2021 when the Twins were out of contention for most of the summer. He had a great stretch. But other than that, like he hasn't reached his potential as a reliever. It's important for him not only to get back in stuff, but to get back in results. For Kenta Maeda, who's a starter, veteran starter, completely different situation. But the difference for Kenta is if Kenta goes out and he gets hit around a little bit, but his velocity is 89-90, you feel okay because Kenta's had success in his career. He's had a really successful career. Jorge Alcala, if he's 95-96, but he's getting knocked around again, that's more concerning because he really hasn't had the results in the big leagues that like somebody like Maeda has had, if that makes sense. Alcala getting back on the mound is great. 95-96 is great. Him getting hit around is something to watch even in spring training. So keep an eye on that throughout. Pablo Lopez made his debut today. I got to watch this start. It was very fun to watch. He Here are my takeaways from Pablo Lopez. I haven't seen him pitch a whole lot before the Twins made this trade. But like I was watching video, watching his changeup. My my biggest takeaways from watching Pablo today, and this is one spring training start. We don't want to pull too much from these games. My my biggest takeaways: he controls the game really well. You can tell, like easy, repeatable delivery. Doesn't seem like he gets. We haven't seen him in game action, but this is his reputation as well, and was in Miami. Like he's just a good starter. He's a good, solid starter. He's going to give you a chance to win most most times out there, and you can see. It's fun to watch for the first time him in a Twins uniform, even if it is spring training for two innings. You can see his reputation on the mound, even in spring training on the road at JetBlue Park. You can see that he has that poise. He has that ability to control a game. He has good stuff. He flashed it today. Good changeup. You know, he's 95 with the fastball, reached 95. It's all there for Pablo Lopez. We could see it all today. The question is, is he going to become a number one starter? And I don't know, but I think what he's going to be is a solid reliable, good starter for the Twins, which they needed. Is he going to be worth Luis Arise? Jury's out. We don't know on that either. But I think you're going to enjoy watching Pablo Lopez pitch. Again, I think he's going to give the Twins a chance to win in most starts in 2023 and in 2024, barring you know health. We're just hoping he stays healthy. But I thought for a debut, really fun to see him out there and, and see him in a Twins uni. Thought he looked good. 
the Twins this weekend, they had four games because they had a split squad game and then leading into Monday, it might have been five games. I mean, these games pile on top of each other. Who's leading off? I mean, we've seen Max Kepler lead off, Ed Julian led off, Joey Gallo led off. We don't know who's leading off. Max Kepler had a couple of hits. One snuck through, likely because of the shift restriction we're seeing in spring training. And I want to get to the pitch clock as well, the the rule changes and, and my thoughts on those as well today. But Max Kepler, I've made this point. Max Kepler is an X factor for the Twins. If Max, Max Kepler can produce a 110 weighted runs created plus with his great right field defense, he's going to be really valuable for the Twins. And I think one of the biggest questions for them, and we'll get to this in the season preview on Tuesday, is who's going to step up outside of their best four hitters in Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, Jorge Polanco, Jose Miranda. Who's going to be their fifth best hitter and how good are they going to be? Max Kepler can be that guy. You know, he's been that guy before. He can be that guy again. You're hoping he's that guy with a good line. You know, you don't want it to be default. Like, oh, Max Kepler, he hit 230 with a 760 OPS, but he was the fifth best hitter on the Twins. Because if that's the case, they're not going to be very good. I don't think they're going to score enough runs this year, barring Byron Buxton playing 140 games, Carlos Correa winning MVP. They need a fifth dude to step up offensively. And I think it could be Kepler. Had a couple of hits. He looks good. Dropped a ball in foul territory in right field, but that's okay. It's spring training. Max Kepler, uh, that development. Dan Hayes wrote a great piece about him at The Athletic and kind of his mental state and where he's at at this point of the offseason and now into the season getting ready to go. Max Kepler will be a topic throughout the 2023 season, undoubtedly. Jorge Lopez made his spring debut today. It was kind of the Jorge Lopez experience. It really was. You see nasty, unhittable stuff. I mean... His, he threw this is this is a representation of Jorge Lopez. He threw a, a curveball to Rafi Devers, first pitch curveball, disgusting on his back foot. Got a swing and a miss, unhittable pitch. Started as a strike, fell off the table. Typical Jorge Lopez curveball. His next curveball on 0-1 hits Rafael Devers in the back of the foot, and that's a man aboard. It's the Jorge Lopez experience. He loaded up the bases, he got out of it, but man. I mean, it would it would be great to see some clean innings from Jorge Lopez this spring and give you some confidence going into 2023 that like he's back and he's going to be okay and he's going to be able to pitch the late innings. Hitting guys, walking guys. He walked Justin Turner. Nasty slider, just missed, but didn't get a swing and a miss. We just need to see some clean innings, I think, from Jorge Lopez. Shaky today. Stuff is there. I mean, the stuff is great. When he's throwing strikes, he's an all-star closer. He was in 2022. Just needs to throw strikes and, and remain more consistent. We saw some of that in his first spring training outing. My thoughts on the pitch clock and the shift restrictions. I really haven't talked at all about these throughout the offseason because I wanted I did want to see it in action, but I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. And honestly, today, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I think players will adjust to it. I think overall... Yes, the games being shorter is a good thing. It's good for the games to get shorter. I can't tell you how many times last summer and recent summers, and I'm a huge baseball fan. I love the Twins. I host a daily show on the Twins, or I did. If you're listening to this after Tuesday, I did. For years, I love baseball, and I love watching every single night. There are many times where the game is too long, I mean, throughout a summer. If you're going to play 162 games, I think it's okay to take measures to shorten up the game. We've seen some weird things happen in spring training. You know, games being called, games ending on a on a 
violation for the batter not being in the box early enough, it being strike three in the game ending. We've seen some of that already. I don't think that's going to be the case during the regular season. I will say I think during the playoffs in the late innings, I don't know if I'm excited about a pitch clock. I think so much fun about the playoffs, so much of the fun is that buildup that anxiety, that tension between pitches, and it just builds and builds and builds and builds until the pitcher starts winding up and the ball is thrown. And it's it's so fun in between pitches in the postseason and in the late innings of a lot of games. I think some people would say that's the reason the game needs to speed up. Like it's just too much anticipation. But for me, that's a lot of fun. So I'm I'm not on the fence. Like I think this is a good thing. I'm glad that they did this. I think overall the season will be more enjoyable because there's going to be less nights where you're sitting there in a three and a half hour baseball game that's been over since the second inning and you're just hoping it would go a little bit faster. There's going to be less of those nights. But also the the flip side of that is late in games, in the playoffs, I'm not crazy about speeding things up. I think part of the fun, most of the fun is built in that tension, in that anticipation. These players will adapt. We've already seen players adapt. Like Joe Ryan was jumping on the mound, throwing the ball quickly. The Twins will adapt to this Major League Baseball. They always find a way. And I think in two months, we won't even be talking about this. The shift restrictions, same thing to me. It's not that big of a deal. It really is. I don't think it's going to change that much. I think Kepler might get like 10 more hits this year than he would have otherwise, would not have otherwise. Joey Gallo. Similar, but not really because he doesn't make as much contact as Kepler. Same quality. You know, it's the same It's the same end goal there. Kepler makes a lot of contact, but it's weak contact. Joey Gallo doesn't make a lot of contact. It kind of evens itself out when he does make contact. It's loud contact. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I don't think it's going to add 30, 40, 50 hits to teams this year. I could be dead wrong, and you're going to have some seasons where the shift benefits teams more. It hurts teams more, the restrictions rather. It's going to hurt some teams. It's going to help some teams on any given year. I don't think overall it's going to be that big of a deal for Major League Baseball. They're still allowed to shift. You just can't be in the grass, and you have to have two guys on each side of the infield. But I'm watching today. They're throwing their shortstop behind second base. He's just not on the right side of the infield. He's right behind second base. It's a shift. It's just a restricted shift. It's it's not a shift ban, and that has been a pet peeve. I keep seeing the words shift ban. It's not a shift ban. It's a shift restriction. And we're already seeing that in spring training, the shift restriction. As far as throwing over the bigger bases, I'm curious to see how that impacts the twins because teams ran wild on the twins, especially in the first half of 2022. And the twins are brutal on the base pass. They don't steal enough bases. Part of why I think Austin Martin is an underrated prospect in this system specifically because he can steal bases. Royce Lewis, same thing. Like that value to this organization is amplified because they have very few players who can do it. And the ones who can do it get hurt usually when they do it. That's important for the twins. So the bigger bases, that doesn't help the twins. If that's if that's a big thing this year, like if teams are stealing more, which I think they will, because of the limited throwovers, because of the bigger bases, because of the pitch clock, whatever. That's going to hurt the Twins. The Twins don't run. They've gotten so extreme in not running. If other teams are starting to run and the Twins don't have enough guys who can run, bigger disadvantage than it's been even in the last couple of years. Bringing in Christian Vasquez, the hope is he's going to be able to gun guys. He's been above average at throwing runners out. 
The hope is with him and Ryan Jeffers, they can be a decent enough tandem defensively throwing guys out. But offensively, I don't know if the Twins are going to be anything on the bases again in 2023. The, the roster, other than Michael A. Taylor, does not lend itself to stealing bases, does not lend itself to being a good base running team, does not lend itself to adding runs on the base pass, and the Guardians do it. The White Sox even have some speed, and Luis Robert, Andrew Benintendi can, can nab a bag as well. Tim Anderson, the Twins are not one of those teams. They're not even close to being one of those teams. That could be the rule that impacts the Twins the most, is the bigger bases and the limited pickoffs. If everybody's running wild, that's going to hurt the Twins. I think the shift restrictions, it's overblown for Gallo, for Kepler, for Larnick, for Kirloff, whoever, left-handed hitters galore. I think it's overblown. I don't think it's going to have that big of an impact. And I think the pitch clock, everybody's going to adjust. It's weird right now. Everybody will get to know it. They'll understand it. And it will not even be a thing we talk about. In the late innings, would like it to kind of remain the same. We'll see if there's any tweaks to it as well as spring training goes on, the regular season starts. I have a feeling there's going to be some tweaks to this overall. So it was a fun first weekend of Twins baseball and spring training. Some debuts, some guys returned to the mound. There's some questions. We're going to learn a lot this spring. We're going to learn a lot in 2023 about the Twins and their future and I hope you'll join Brandon. My last show is Tuesday, so join me then. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every single day on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. For your second listen, check out Lockdown Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Lockdown Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much again. Have a great day, and go Twins.